I think that that's the perfect song to to consider, you know, stop and examine yourself. And I have to ask myself every time I sing that song, am I really surrendered? Have I taken the things that I want to do and have I laid them down in favor of the things that God wants? So go ahead and and, uh, go back and, and get your communion if you want to take that. And just think about that as you're as you're doing that, are you are you willing to surrender the things that uh, you're holding on to? I don't know what it is. I actually don't even know if you're holding on to anything. That's between you and God. Thank you, Iris. If you would like to take that now just between you and the Lord you can or if you would like I'll, I'll just give you a moment you can you can wait I'm just going to take a minute here to examine myself Jesus hmm. thank you Jesus for everything thank you thank you Yes. Are you? Are you should be on. Just you just guys talk a little louder. Can you hear Becky? You can, okay. She, they say they can hear you. Go okay, ahead. Okay. Glory to God. You know when we were singing that last refrain, I surrender all. And you know it's easy to say I surrender all, but it's difficult. And my thoughts went to in the wars, whether it was World War One or World War Two or Vietnam, there were Americans and soldiers on both sides that had to surrender to the enemy. And it was like it wasn't easy for them to surrender, to say, I give up. And what was facing them was hard. And you know, when we say, I surrender all to Jesus, we, we say it and we mean it. I surrender all. And yet sometimes the cost of it. But when he surrendered all for us, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you surrendered it all for us on the cross. You gave your life. You gave your blood. You left all of glory for us. You surrendered it. Father, may our hearts May our lives be in surrender to you, Father, all that we have, all that we are, Lord. 
we surrender it to you, Father. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And you know when we surrender, he knows that it's not going to be easy at times to surrender all our will. But he understands. And he looks at our heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I give myself to thee. I remember the day when I really surrendered to him. And sometimes I still have to go back and surrender to him again and again. But you know, he's so loving. And he understands. But it's the best thing I ever did. Was surrender to him. So if you haven't taken the bread yet, go ahead and hold that up. Lord Jesus, thank you for the surrender that you did on the cross. Your word, your word said, I, I did not turn my face away from those who plucked the beard. You offered yourself. You surrendered yourself. And I thank you, Jesus, that it was for our healing And in your name, I pray, amen. Go ahead and take the bread. And if you haven't already taken the cup, go ahead and hold up the cup. Lord Jesus, we do this to remember. You told us, as often as you do this, do it to remember me. So remember the shed blood, the blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Your promise is always with us. The promise of everything that you paid for on the cross. And I thank you, Lord, that you bought me with the blood. I cannot repay that price, but I will serve you, and I will not leave your side. I thank you, Jesus, in your name. Go ahead and take the cup. Praise God. <laughs> Let's pray just one last time here. Father. I thank you for your help to bring this word out that I believe is the right word in due season. I believe it will go beyond these four walls because I cannot be the only one speaking this message at this time. And so I pray, Lord, that uh, the word go out, resound, and resume and reverberate through this world. Because it's your desire that not even one should perish, but that all should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And the ones who don't accept your word, at least they will hear it and it will stand as a witness. But I pray for the hearts that are willing. I pray, Father God, that there would be a softening to take place even now. 
and that you'd help your people to get up and proclaim the word that changed their lives, that transformed them, that took them from death into life, that set them into the kingdom of your marvelous son, marvelous light. You, Lord, have a plan, and it will not fail. And I thank you, Lord, and in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, you guys. <clears throat> Amen. You ready? I have an announcement before I get into this. I have, uh, Bill has asked me to just go ahead and announce to everyone the celebration. He, I, he just, he gave me a, something to read here, so I'll just read it. The celebration for, of life for Pat Stewart is one week from Saturday, June 18th. Lunch will be served afterwards. If you haven't RSVP'd to Bill, please reply so we can have enough food. If you would like to attend, give Bill your email address, and he'll send you the announcement. Bill is up in the sound booth. Thank you, Bill, for letting us know where you are. All right. Praise God. Last week, I ended up cutting my message in half. For those of you here, you remember. And... Uh, for those of you online, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't gotten that, please go back and listen to it again. I feel that it's a, it's a, uh, a a very important word for our time that we're living in now. And so, yes, this is what to do in these times, part two. What to do in these times, part two. The word said in Proverbs thirteen twenty two, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. That speaks to a transfer of something. A transfer of something. In, the, in this case, it speaks to wealth. Transfer of wealth, right? And, you know, again, the, the, the good man was not looking was not looking for that. What he, what, he, what he was doing was just working at leaving an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for him because he's not looking for that. Let's open God's Word, turn over to Luke 14. Luke 14. How are you all today? Don't worry, I won't do like in those rallies that they, I can't hear you. But what I did hear was, how are you doing today? Good. We are, awesome. we are, we are good. Yeah. Praise God. Now, Luke 14, last time we read this passage, this is where Jesus was invited to a meal uh, by a Pharisee. He's in the Pharisee's house. The whole lot happened during this meal. We won't get into everything that happened. But in verse 7, it says, So he, Jesus, told a parable to those who were invited. When he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, when you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place. So that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself 
will be exalted. So I had said before, you know, don't, don't pray that God humble you. Don't do that. The Bible doesn't, doesn't tell you to pray that God will humble you. The Word says to humble yourself. And uh, it says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. That word exalt I mentioned last week, that means to raise to a higher position or a, position of, a higher position of authority. To be raised. By, so if you are raised, you can't raise yourself up. God has to be the one to raise you up. And he'll do that through people. Um. But Jesus is he. What he's talking about here really is uh, again a transfer of position, because he said uh, he, he didn't just say uh, the 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 place is vacated and uh, the person will be put there. Because he said if you put yourself in this place and this place is not where you're supposed to be, someone will come and say, "No, you need to give place to this man," and that's a transfer of something that you took to somebody else. And it works the same way, like we said back in Proverbs 13, was the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. In other words, it's, it's, um, it's set aside, it's set apart for, not for the person who's holding it at the time. They have access to it at the time, and if they were, it, it's a sinner, so if they were to turn from their wicked way, who knows what God will do for them. But because they're continuing in sin, they're continuing in disobedience to God, when we think of a sinner, we think of someone who's just, oh, they must just be doing something awful. But what is God's definition of sin? Sometimes we don't stop to think, well, maybe God considers what I'm doing not to be right. You know, so we have to examine our traditions. We have to examine our training that we have received from people and say, is this really what the Bible says? Now, so, the, so Jesus is talking about a transfer. Right? That's what he's talking about. And uh, he is talking about a transfer of position, Jesus is. And therefore, anything else that may come along with that position. Because whatever he's position he sets you into, he's going to have provision for that position. Okay. Now, God, being a good God, has laid up an inheritance for his children. A good man invests in, 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 in an inheritance for his children, his children's children, right? All right. So if you have uh, said out loud that Jesus is your Lord, you believe in your heart God's raised him from the dead, you are, you are one of his children. And therefore, he has laid up an inheritance for you. You'll come into your fullness of that inheritance when, when uh, you know, not on this side of heaven, but after Jesus returns, right? But as of now... Uh, there are portions of that inheritance you can have now. And we know that from, from Hebrews, Hebrews 6.12, that you may, through uh, um, faith and patience, inherit the promises. That's talking about now. Okay, so, in addition to the inheritance that you have in being one of God's children, and remember, an inheritance has to be claimed I'm not saying, oh, yeah, name it and claim it. That's not what I'm talking about. But an inheritance must be claimed legally in order to be transferred. Amen? Okay, now, in addition to the inheritance of being God's child, the book of Proverbs and Jesus 
made it clear that there is also a transfer of something that somebody else has if they're not being faithful with it. And we talked about how this transfer is not about making us feel good or important about ourselves or, or even, to benefit, uh, even to benefit just us. That's not what it's for. Those are just after effects of, of God's generosity. You understand that? It's not so I can be like, well, I'm just going to get more and more and more, and it's just going to get better and better and better for me. It's not what it's about. Because everything that you have is a a stewardship. It's something that has been given to you to steward. It does not belong to you. Ultimately, it belongs to God. Amen. So, when we receive a part of our inheritance or experience a transfer into greater wealth or position or uh, authority or responsibility or anything like that, our responsibility then is to seek out the reason that God gave that to us for the time that we're in. Because it is to benefit his purposes, not our purposes. Okay? And in order to seek after God's reasons for giving that to us, it's going to take humbling ourselves before him. And when I think of humbling, I think of I, just like the song, I, 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 didn't, I didn't plan that, by the way. The song was just in there. Just felt like that was the right song for the time. And, and yeah, it is. Because when I think of humbling, that means I'm laying down everything. I am saying, God, uh, I have to lay down everything. Every, every achievement, every plan, every relationship, every... Uh, and that's relationship with both... Uh, with with any any type of relationship, and also a relationship that I may be hanging on to that I should not be, and anything anything that I have that's within my hand, that's within my uh, my ability to access, all of that must be laid down if I am to truly be humble. Because if I if I hold on to that, if I'm putting any kind of trust in that thing, that's a part of my heart that I'm not putting I'm not putting toward the Father. Amen. Like one minister said, you know, he was uh, he had he had left a church. He felt God lead him to lead, to leave a church, and he was off in uh, itinerant ministry, just going around and, and ministering in place and place. And every time it, he got to a point where he'd start praying, and the church that he left would come up onto his heart. He's like, and he'd had no, I don't want to go back to that church. And so he would stop praying, because every time he'd start to pray, that church would come up on his heart. And finally, he went to God about it. And to make a long story short, he went to God about it. And he's like, God, do you want me to go back to that church? Because he didn't even ask. Every time, that, every time he prayed, that church would come up on his heart. And he would just not just push that out of the way. And finally, he said, God, do you even want me to go back to that church? And God said, no. I want you to be willing to go back. And that takes humbling. Because I, I, he did not, I do not want to go back there. But I have to be willing to go back there if that's what God wants. That's humbling. Amen. Now, once you find out what God wants you to use your inheritance and or transfer for, you, you must just, uh, you might just find out because your flesh doesn't like that. Just like that, that minister. Flesh doesn't like that. 
And that's really a different thing because I'm talking about, you know, it's a, it's a different stage, if you will, because if I'm going to go, go before my father and I'm going to humble myself to find out what you want me to use this for. And then he tells me what he wants me to use it for. There is an opportunity again for my flesh to rise up and I may just have to humble myself again and say, okay, that's not what I wanted to use that for. But I'll humble myself again. And make myself willing. See, that's the thing. A lot of times people are like, well, I just don't want to do that and I don't know what to do about it. There's a reason that it's, it's you must be, you, okay, <laughs> Brother Hagen went to God, and he said he, couldn't, he, he, he was doing the ministry God told him to do, but he could barely feed his children. And he went to God, he, he said, I, I brought up the scripture about in Isaiah that says, if you're, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. He said, God, I'm not eating the good of the land. I can't even, I can't even hardly feed my children. God said, you don't qualify. He said, what do you mean? I, I, I was... I, I was I was willing and obedient. You told, you called me to to th- to do this, to leave everything else, to come and do this. And God said, "You were obedient, but you weren't willing." And He said, "I just took care of that right there. No problem. I can make myself willing. Why? Because it's built. It's 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 b- built into the word willing, right? As a choice of my will, I can choose to be willing. And I mean." It's going to take some practice for some people who, aren't, who have not gotten used to that, have not gotten used to forcing themselves to be willing to do what God said to do in his word because we grew, we grew up in, in, a, in a society where it's like, well, just do whatever you feel. And people who do that, their own, they are their own God because they're just going to do whatever they want to do and whatever their fle- they won't deny their flesh anything. Oh, flesh wants to do this. Okay, great. We'll do it. So, it takes humility to submit to God's immediate purpose when we find out what that purpose is. So, just like I said last week as I ended the first part of this, this walks hand in hand with the principle of authority. And that's something that's not taught on a whole lot. But it's absolutely vital if a church is going to be successful. Because there may be 50 ways to do things, and in God's perfect world, there's only one. Of, out of those 50, maybe. And so that means that people need to be willing to say, okay, I recognize authority, author, the authority that God has placed over this place, and so they, they're, they're following this leading, and all I can do is say, okay, even if I don't agree. Right? It's not easy to do. But if there was never any, any of that, if that never ever happened, what would the church look like? If every single person said, I'm not doing that because I don't want to do that, what would the church look like? And I mean, there's really a lot of that going on anyway. But the, And it's because those of us who are raised in America typically have a hard time with this because we tend to think that everything should be a democracy. Everything should be put to a vote. But see, God's, God sees things very differently. The Bible refers to the kingdom of God, not the democracy of God. If you're invited to a wedding, okay, like Jesus said, if you're invited to a wedding, if you're invited to a wedding and you go, you are putting yourself under the authority of the couple for that event. 
their, their authority extends to the, bound, the, the boundaries of everything that took place to prepare this wedding, everything that we put together, everything that we plan, anybody who steps through the doors, we're going to tell them the order of service. We're going to tell them this is what we're going to do. Is that not correct? That's why submission is not a bad thing, as long as it's all under here. Yeah, because if, there's, if, if, if the authority of the house says, we're going to just fly off the deep end and, you know, we're just going to, uh, you know, worship Jesus by going up to the volcano and all diving in, you can say, excuse me, that's not in here. Yeah, that's well within your rights as a child of God to do that. So, you go to a wedding, you put yourself under the authority of the couple. Because think about it, commonly at the church, you know, if, if, you know you, 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 if you're a guest of the groom, where do you sit? On the groom's side. And if you're a guest of the bride, you sit on the bride's side. Well, you had to submit to that instead of saying, well, I'm a guest of the groom, but I want to sit over here on the bride's side. They have a bunch of free candy over here on this side. That's where I want to sit, you know. And then once you get to the reception, you know, you can't just sit up at the table with the wedding party just because you, you feel like doing that. Unless you're in the wedding party. You, you, and see, what do you do then? You sit at the table that's been assigned to you. And think about this. Even if you can sit wherever you want, because there are weddings like that too. Even if you can sit wherever you want, the only reason that you can do that is because the couple decided to make an authoritative decision that there would be open seating. Is that not right? They have said, you can sit wherever you want. Okay, great. You're still, you're still operating under their authority when you do that. Am I right? This is where Jesus' advice of taking the lowest place comes in. Every, um, I, I, that's one of the things that, that my mom and dad taught me. It, it really through example, rather than just saying this. But any time that I was given a, a position, no matter what degree of authority it was, even in that position, I took a low place to say, I, I'm gonna, whatever the, the person above me says to do, I'm going to endeavor to do it. And then also treat the people who are working under me uh, with respect, um, treat them with uh, humility. Because I'm also a servant of the Most High. Doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what title I've got. I'm a servant of the Most High. So we need to humble ourselves under God's authority. Because once you said out loud that Jesus is your Lord and you believe that God's raised him from the dead, you are saved and you have put yourself under Jesus' authority. Because you called him Lord. When I stepped into the position of the worship leader uh, at, the, at the, the church in California, we, I put myself under the pastor's authority. And, and you, it's possible to do that in name only, right? It's possible to say, oh, I'm under this person's authority, but not really mean it. It's like, it's like Becky said. It's easy to say I surrender all, but doing it is another thing. And so I, I put myself under his authority. It wasn't always easy to humble myself and do what he asked. In fact, there were times when I, I didn't. I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. He said, he came to me and he says, uh, and this is, this is a, uh, this is a shame, shame, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a slap on my own wrist. 
not, not a shameful thing, but because I've asked God's forgiveness, he forgave me. But anyway, so uh, he says, uh, he says, could you get me the songs ahead of time? At that time, I was thinking, I need to, I mean, it's like, if, I, if I'm going to be spirit-led, because that's a, that's a trap that worship leaders fall into, if I'm going to be spirit-led, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to get the, the, the music until, like, the moment of. And that's just, that's just a lie. But I, I was like, <clears throat> I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't usually get the songs until, you know, right before. He said, I know, but if you could just get me some, a place, something, a placeholder, a, a list that I can have so that I can input everything into the computer. He's, and I said, yeah, but I don't know ahead of time what I'm going to do. He said, okay. He said, you can change it. Just let me know. He said, just send me something, and I can, ch- I can change it, whatever. I said, well, if you're going to change it anyway, why don't you just pick the set yourself? And... Uh, that was not submitting. That was pretty foolish, actually. At the time, I thought, well, that was clever. <laughs> it wasn't clever. That was uh, insubordinate. <laughs> insubordinate is what that was. So anyway, and then other, there were other times that I thought some of his ideas were um, just stupid. It's like, that's a stupid idea. Why would we do that? You know? Now, if they had been unbiblical... I, I wouldn't have submitted to them. But, but uh, for the most part, anything that he said to do, I was like, okay. You know, even if, I don't, even if I don't like it, all right, whatever. Sure, if that's what you want, I'll do it. Okay. It's not about me anyway. But I was, I was still learning at the time, still learning, even yet. You know, but uh, there have been times in the past that I've considered stepping down from positions not because the person in authority was wrong, but because I had a problem with their authority. A personal problem with their authority. And, you know, if, if I'm resentful long enough, see, this is, this is, this is why, because I, 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 I understood this. Maybe not, you know, sometimes your heart understands something better than your head does. So it's like my heart understood this principle, but, my, but I really didn't know the, the, the finer points of it, but I understood a little bit. That if I stay in this position when I am not respectful of the authority that's over me, then eventually I'm going to start to think, I'm going to ha- start to, ha- my thoughts are going to be resentful, and, and eventually I'm going to get bitter. And, you know, we talked about this in the Word. It's a, it's a, let there be no root of bitterness among you, brethren. See, because that becomes a stronghold in my life if I am constantly having this, these resentful thoughts because I'm like, and it starts small, starts small. And, it, and it, it grows. That's why it's called a root of bitterness. And so I had a choice, either step out from under their authority or change my thinking about authority in order to keep my position without there being a root of bitterness in my heart. See, those things creep in. We don't, we don't, a lot of times we think a root of bitterness, sometimes it's like, well, a root of bitterness is demonic. Well, they can be, but they don't start off that way because that's what gives the devil opportunity to come in and start messing with things in our life. In other words, we give him legal access when we hold on to a, when we build up a root of bitterness in our own heart. It's, e- it's easy, to, it's a cop-out to say, well, the, the, that's demonic, the devil made me do that. The devil didn't make us do anything. Amen. 
Anyway, that's not what I was planning on talking about. But it is a cousin of this idea of keeping an attitude of humility, right? That's an outcropping of this idea of humility and pride and submission and authority because humility and pride are tied directly to submission and authority. The word said, how can we love our God who we can't see if we can't love our neighbor who we can see? And we have neighbors, in some cases, that have been put in authority over us, whether it's a boss, whether it's a, I mean, whether it's, you know, you walk into the library and the librarian has authority, right? Well, they shush me too much. Well, they're in authority. Sorry. Anyway, uh, think, about, uh, think about this idea of this position, this transfer of position. Uh, think about Joseph in the Old Testament. Um, <clears throat> he had favor from his father, right? The other, a favor that his other brothers did not have. And so his father, you know, you know some translations say it's a coat of many colors. Uh, others say it's just, a, it's just a beautiful coat, you know, de- depending on, and I'm not going to get into all that, but it has a lot of meaning to it. But, so he 